And uh, boy, what a day that will be when we get, get to tour in heaven. And uh, what, a, what a wonderful day we have to look forward to. If you have your Bibles, go ahead and open up to Jonah, chapter number 1. And I'll give you that because I'll give you a little bit of time that you can find it, all right? Jonah is one of those obscure books that hides amongst all the other minor prophets before the New Testament and uh, goes Obadiah, Amos, uh, and then Jonah. And Amos kind of is a little bit bigger than some of the other books, so you might stumble across that. You're getting close, all right? So uh, right after Amos, I misspoke. It's Amos, Obadiah, Jonah. Uh, and uh, Obadiah, you probably won't hit that. That's like one page and uh, then you'll, it'll disappear. So Amos, Obadiah, Jonah. And uh, preaching this morning on the will of God. We've been in a mini-series on the will of God for the past couple of weeks. And the first week we, uh, we looked at, the Bible says, Wherefore, be not unwise, but understanding what the will of the Lord is. And what an important verse for us to be wise and understanding what the will of the Lord is. You know, sometimes we tend to think of ourselves as uh, small and maybe insignificant and unimportant, but in reality, God cares about each and every person, and He cares about your life, and He has a will for every person's life. And, uh, and for us, we ought to consider that. We ought to be concerned with what is God's will for my life. That's basically what the Bible is saying. Wherefore, be, not, be ye not unwise, but understanding what the will of the Lord is. And uh, of course, the very first thing that we uh, looked at was it is God's will for man to be saved. That is the very most important thing uh, that we need to understand. Last week... Uh, we looked at this verse, Psalm 40 and verse 8. He, the psalmist writes, I delight to do thy will, O my God, yea, thy law is within my heart. He said, I delight to do <clears throat> thy will. And uh, we looked at the joy, really, that comes from doing the will of God. And uh, this morning, we're going to continue that series of looking at the will of God. And uh, as we look at the book of Jonah, <clears throat> understand this, that the phrase, uh, the will of God, does not show up in the book of Jonah. Uh, the will of the Lord does not show up in the book of Jonah. But definitively, this book, if you know the book of Jonah, and, and I suspect that many of you will uh, know the story of Jonah, it is certainly about God's will and man's will and the two clashing in all reality. Uh, because, listen, many times the frank and honest matter is that God wants us to do one thing, but we don't want to do it. Uh, that's really what it boils down to. And in the book of Jonah, uh, we'll look at that this morning and, uh, and see really the will of God and, uh, and, and how it clashes sometimes and goes against what man desires. And so in Jonah chapter number 1, and verse number 1, uh, the Bible says this, now the word of the Lord came unto Jonah, the son of Amittai, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and cry against it, for their wickedness is come up before me. And let's stop right there and let's pray. Father, we thank you for today. 
God, we thank you for uh, the opportunity that we have to gather in your house around your word. Father, thank you for the special music that we've heard, the choir, the special, and the singing of the congregational. And God, thank you for uh, the fact that we can gather together around you and we can sing praises to your name. And God, I pray that you'd use me. I pray, Father, that you would speak through me and that you would touch hearts, Father, as only you can, and that uh, each and every person would be encouraged and strengthened this morning, Father, from uh, your word and from your Holy Spirit, God will be careful to give you the honor and glory for all that's said and done. In Jesus' precious name we pray, amen. As we look at just these couple of verses, I want you to notice this, the very first thing that you see out of the book of Jonah, right in the very beginning, the Bible says, now the word of the Lord came unto Jonah, the son of Amittai, saying, arise, Go to Nineveh, that great city, and cry against it, for their wickedness is come up before me. Uh, the second, the, the third word really of the book of Jonah is the word uh, and the word of God. And as we think about the will of God, I've already said it in the past, but I'll say it again, that uh, the, the will of God will never go contrary to the word of God. Matter of fact, the Word of God is how God uses to direct us. Now, I understand, uh, and, and I'll clarify this real quick uh, for, for sake of understanding. In the Old Testament, God clearly spoke to the prophets. Um, and many times He would use visions, and sometimes He would use other things, and sometimes uh, he, it would be an actual audible voice that God would speak uh, to the prophets. But understand this, in the Old Testament, that they did not have the completed Word of God. And so uh, that is how God communicated. They did have the law. And uh, you would think about David and how he wrote Psalm 119 and how he loved the Word of God. And the Word of God that he was referencing was the law of God. It was the first five books of the Old Testament. Uh, the Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. That's what David was saying. Hey, I love the law of the Lord and thy testimonies are wonderful. And, and he was talking about how wonderful the word of God was. And he only had five books of the Bible. And so we see a great love uh, for the word of God. But listen, understand this, that God is going to direct very clearly through the word of God. God's not going to direct you uh, uh, against the Word of God, never. He's not going to tell you to do something that's already been very clearly laid out in the Word of God. And then secondly, the, the, the Lord is still going to use the Word of God to direct your life even today. And so God's going to use His Holy Word to direct us. And uh, as we look at this, sometimes people will say this uh, about the Word of God. Well, it's confusing and it's difficult to understand. Look with me in verse number 2. This is exactly what God came to Jonah and this is exactly what He said. Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and cry against it. For their wickedness is come up before me. Listen, this is very clear. That the Word of God is clear. Uh, I can tell you this, that, that while there may be some confusing passages in the Word of God, there may be some difficult passages in the Word of God. I'm very aware of that. The majority of it is quite simple in all reality. And if you look at what he told uh, uh, Jonah, 
It is very simple. There's nothing difficult. Many times people want to drag you to a difficult portion of the Scripture because they want to muddy the waters. They want to confuse things and they want to argue about this or argue about that instead of just doing what's been clearly laid out in the Word of God for us to do that God desires for us to do. Uh, They would rather uh, talk about all this other stuff that would uh, draw confusion. And listen, the Word of God is very clear. Um, we, we looked at a few verses uh, in Sunday school. We were talking about the, uh, the, the spirit and long suffering. And we looked at this verse, the idea of Second Peter chapter three and verse number nine. It says the Lord is not slack concerning his promises, as some men count slackness, but is long suffering to us word, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Now, isn't that pretty clear? That God desires all man everywhere to come to repentance. That every person would be saved. Uh, That's what God desires. Uh, God desires Christians to live right. The Bible says in 1 Thessalonians 4.3, For this is the will of God, even your sanctification. You say, well, preacher, what does sanctification mean? It simply means being set apart for the service of God. That's what God desires of Christians, that we would be sanctified. God desires of all people that they would be saved. God desires that all Christians would live right and live a Christian life. 1 Thessalonians 5.18, And everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. Listen, it's pretty simple. God wants us to be saved. God wants us to be sanctified and set apart for His service. And God wants us to be thankful. Those are things that are very clear in the Word of God. It's not confusing and it's not difficult, but many times people don't want to do just those simple things that God has given us to do. We look at this command that God gave Jonah, and it was really clear. He said, Arise, go to Nineveh. There's nothing confusing about the order that God gave to Jonah. Jonah could not claim, well, I don't understand what he wanted me to do. Jonah could not say, well, uh, it was a little bit confusing about the words and I wasn't really sure about the location and I wasn't really sure about this or that. No, the Word of God was very clear to Jonah. Listen, the Word of God is very clear most of the time to us and, uh, and it's a very clear Word of God. I want you to notice this. The second thing about the Word of God, not only is it clear, but I want you to notice that it was compassionate. Look with me at what he says there. He says, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and cry against it, for their wickedness is come up before me. Listen, we have a loving, compassionate God that would say, Hey, I've noticed that the wickedness over here in Nineveh is really bad. I need a man of God to go out there and to straighten them out and preach to them the salvation uh, that I'm willing to give them. And, and, and so God had a very compassionate order in His Word. And listen, we've already, we've already talked about the fact that God is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. He's a compassionate God. And He's going to give us in His Word His will that He desires, hey, that lost people be saved. Uh, I mean, John 3.16, For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son. We serve a very compassionate God. We were talking about wickedness this morning in, in the adult Sunday school class and, and how many times we, we scratch our head. We say, well, we're living in the last days. 
It's certainly wicked, and it is. There's no doubt about it. I wouldn't argue with that, uh, that it's wicked. I mean, or that it's not wicked, because it is. And we say, well, why doesn't God judge that? Why doesn't God do Why doesn't God just come back and take us out of here? Listen, because he's not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. And God is long-suffering, and he's a compassionate God that says, hey, I love lost people, and I want to see them saved. He does not love their sin, but he loves their soul, and he wants to see their life changed, and he wants to see them saved, and he wants to see them changed. And so we have a very compassionate God. He cared about people back in Jonah's day. Listen, he cares about people today in 2021. We're talking about God's will. We're talking about how it comes from God's word. And we can see the clear order given in the word of God. We can see the compassion that God had on the the Ninevites. And even though they were a wicked place, he wanted to send a message to them so that they could be saved. Not only the compassion in the Word of God, but I want you to notice as well the constant, and that would be the unchanging message. Hey, listen, just as God would send Jonah uh, into Nineveh, the lost and wicked city that was uh, undone before God, God would send us to the lost and dying world. God's will is clearly revealed in His Word. He said in Mark chapter 16 and verse number 15, and He said to them, Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Does that mean Maslin, Ohio? Yep, that means Maslin, Ohio. Does that mean uh, Canton? Yeah, that means Canton. Does that mean Richville? Does that mean Perry? Does that mean... Uh, all our surrounding towns. Yes, that means every surrounding town. Hey, listen, you can't go to the wrong place this morning. He sent us into all the world. And uh, I heard a preacher one time say, uh, you can't knock on the wrong door. Why? Because somebody lives there. Somebody needs the gospel. And, uh, And we have a responsibility to get the gospel to the lost and dying world. And his message is unchanging. And it is the will of God that's clearly revealed in the Word of God. We find that it has not changed. Uh, Listen, God was sending prophets in the day of Noah. God was sending prophets before the day of Noah. God is sending Christians in, uh, in today, and God was sending His disciples in His day. And He wants the same thing, and that is for the world to hear the message of the Gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. He wants the world to be saved. We find the Word of God is clearly written out in verse number 1. I want you to notice verse number 3. We know the story of Jonah. But look with me at verse number 3. We find God's will very properly worded and very clearly worded in verse number 2 there. But verse number 3 says, But Jonah rose up to flee unto Tarshish, from the presence of the Lord and went down to Joppa and he found a ship going to Tarshish. So he paid the fare thereof and went down into it to go with them unto Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. Now I want you to notice not only the Word of God and how clear and how constant and how compassionate it was in verse uh, 2 there, but I want you to notice wandering man in verse number 3. We see there Jonah, and, uh, and immediately as soon as he hears the will of God revealed through the Word of God in his life, uh, he immediately says, nope, ain't doing that. And he's going the other way, man. 
I mean, you look at what it says there in verse number three. But Jonah rose up to flee unto Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. That amazes me. I'll be honest with you. Uh, that, that verse really stood out in my mind. And listen, I've heard a lot of people give a lot of reasons to why Jonah didn't want to go to Tarshish and a lot of reasons why he didn't want to go to Nineveh rather and, and why he didn't want to go and preach and why this and why that and, and lots of reasons. And listen, even if Jonah himself gave me the reasons that he did not go, the bottom line is this. God asked him to do something and he said no. That's what it all boils down to. It doesn't matter the reasons. It does, I mean, you want to argue with God? You can take your case to God. But can I tell you, He's going to be right every time. He's God and we're not. Um, he's just God. And so we find that, uh, that listen, even, even though He might give excuses and He might be able to logically lay something out for you that sounds really good and sounds wonderful, the bottom line is He ran from God. We see the opposite last week when we looked at Psalm 40 and verse 8. It says, I delight to do Thy will. Oh, what a joy it is for a Christian to do the will of God. Can I tell you this this morning? As you read the passage, you'll know it. It is the exact opposite for a Christian who does not do the will of God. There is no joy. There is no peace. And there is no contentment. And they, uh, Jonah in his life runs contrary to God's will. And he has no del- delight. And he has no joy. In his life. Look with me at that phrase. I started on this. Uh, he said, From to flee uh, unto Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. My dad this week sent me an email and he just laid out a bunch of verses. And one of the verses that was in there uh, was, uh, it said, In the midst. And all the verses dealt with being in the presence of God. And as I read those, I was just really blessed, to be honest with you, just reading through being in his midst. And you think about the disciples and how they labored in the midst. And you think about those who desired to come to Jesus. Many of them had ailments. Many of them had sicknesses. Many of them had troubles. Many of them had problems. But you know what? They desired to come to Jesus to be in his midst. Why? Because Jesus is the one that can give peace. Jesus is the one that can solve the problems. Jesus is the one that can heal the the, those that are sick and needy. Jesus is the one. Hey, we want to be in the midst of Jesus, not fleeing from the presence of God. We find a a strange contrast here as Jonah being a, a Christian and a prophet of God would try and flee from the very presence of God. What an amazing account in this verse. As we see, he was contrary to the will of God. I want you to notice this as well. Look with me at verse number 3. But Jonah rose up to flee, flee unto Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. And he went down to Joppa and he found a ship going to Tarshish. Look at what he says. So he paid the fare thereof. Not only was he contrary to God's will, but I want you to know that there is a cost for not doing God's will. There was a physical cost that that Jonah paid when he ran down to Joppa. Joppa would be the port city there uh, in in Israel. And when he went down there, uh, they were, of course, selling boat tickets. 
And Jonah said, hey, I'm, I want a I boat ticket. I want to go to Tarshish. And, uh, and Tarshish was the farthest place, I mean, you could get from, uh, from Israel. I mean, he wanted out. He's like, man, I'm going a long way. It would be like getting a, a ticket today to go to the other side of the world and, and, and get away from God. And that's what Jonah was really trying to do. He said, man, I want as far away from God, and I want as far away from God's land, and I want as far away from God's people as I can get because I don't want to be in God's presence. He was running. Listen, the Bible says there in verse number 3, he says, and he paid the fare thereof. Sin and running from God will always cost you something in your life. It's not free. We find that Jonah paid the fare thereof. Listen, there's a financial cost. I don't, what was the ticket cost? I don't know what the ticket cost, but I do know this, it cost him money. He physically had to get into his pocket. He didn't have Apple Pay uh, or, or a credit card. He couldn't just swipe the card and say, well, let the debt roll up. Uh, he physically had to dig down in his pocket and count out his little silver coins or whatever the cost was and actually put the money down on the table and say, this is how bad I want away from God. So much that I'll pay for it to get away. He paid for it. There's a cost, not only a cost that was physical, but I want, or financial rather, but I want you to know that there was a physical hardship and a cost that was physical as well as he ran from God. Uh, what was that cost? Listen, the hardship was the storms that came. And we'll look at that a little bit later. Uh, the hardship was physically, picture this, think about this, being swallowed by a whale. I don't think I'd like that. Not one bit. It just does not sound appealing to me. Uh, there's, there's absolutely nothing uh, in my body that desires to be inside of the belly of a whale. Uh, that just doesn't. I grew up swimming, and uh, I grew up swimming in lakes, and uh, I grew up in, in you know, ponds and rivers, and uh, I had the opportunity to live by the ocean a couple of times, and, and I'll be frank, honest with you, I don't enjoy swimming in the ocean. You say, why is that? Because there's things big enough in there to eat you. That concerns me. And I just I know in the lake, I mean, you know, you might have a, you, there's deadly animals. You might have a snake. You might have a, a, some of those poisonous, deadly snakes. But I know this too, they're not going to swallow you or chew you up. You know, they might bite you and you might die, but at least they're not going to eat you. Jonah was physically swallowed by a whale. You say, preacher, do you believe that? I absolutely believe it. Listen to me. I was reading this morning, uh, just reading over some more material, and, and I was reading through a commentary, and, 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 uh, and this fellow, it was amazing. He said, he said, now why wouldn't you believe it? He said, Jesus Christ Himself substantiated the fact that Jonah was swallowed by a whale. So if you don't believe it, you'll take your case up with Jesus. I just choose to believe it because God Himself recorded it in His Word and Jesus substantiated it when He was here on the earth talking about Jonah. And as, the Jonah, as Jonah was in the belly of the whale uh, for three days and three nights and, and He substantiated the fact that it took place, could you imagine? I don't know if Jonah was totally conscientious. I know this. He couldn't see a thing down there. It was dark. There's not much light in the belly of a whale, and he did not have a flashlight with Energizer batteries. I can tell you that. Or Duracell. 
He had nothing. It was dark. And I couldn't imagine being inside of the belly of a whale. And what I'm telling you is there is a cost from running away from the presence of God. And Jonah found that cost. He paid that cost. He paid it with financial hardship. And not only the cost and being contrary to the will of God, I want you to notice the commotion that he caused everyone around him. Look with me at verse number 4. But the Lord sent out a great wind into the sea, and there was a mighty tempest in the sea, so that the ship was like to be broken. Then the mariners were afraid and cried every man unto his God and cast forth the wares that were in the ship unto the sea to lighten it of them. But Jonah was gone down into the sides of the ship, and he lay and was fast asleep. You look at the commotion that Jonah caused these mariners, these sea, these sailors. I want you to notice the first, they, they became very frightened. There was a storm that God sent to that ship. And listen, uh, those sailors, they became frightened. And, uh, and you, know it, you know it's frightening when a sailor starts to pray. I mean, I'm just saying. When a sailor starts to become religious, you know, hey, there's something serious going on. These were the guys that were experienced at sea. These were the guys that were used to storms and dealing with those things. And they became afraid and they were upset. And listen, it became such a problem that they started taking things off the ship and throwing it overboard. And I want you to notice and understand this this morning. That listen, because Jonah ran from the will of God, he caused all of these sailors and all the people on this ship great hardship in their own lives and caused them to fear. Not only that, but He caused them great loss. I mean, some, you imagine they started throwing things overboard. I don't know if they were a shipping company. I don't know if, uh, if uh, somebody had mailed a package from Jerusalem over to Tarshish and they loaded it on the ship and they said, you know what, it's this package or our lives. And they started throwing things over. And I'm telling you, there was financial loss to other people. And when we don't do the will of God in our life, it affects other people. Every time. We often think, well, it's just my life. No, it's not just your life. There are other people that are involved. These, these sailors, their life that day was affected because Jonah was running from God. The people who had sent packages or uh, hired shipping or the guy who owned the ship and uh, the guy who owned the things that were thrown overboard, their life was affected that day and they lost out because Jonah was running from God. And it was quite a commotion that stirred up because Jonah was contrary to the will of God. We find the Word of God brought the will of God and man wandered from what God wanted. And he didn't do it. And I want you to notice lastly the work of God. In just these verses, we, we won't even get to the end of the book. You know the end of the story of Jonah. We'll recap it of course, but just in Jonah chapter 1, I want you to think about this, the work of God that he did. In Jonah chapter 1 and verse number 1, the Bible says, Now the word of the Lord came unto Jonah, the son of Amittai, saying, Do you know God took time to talk to Jonah? Say, listen, this is what I want from your life. This is what 
I, I desire, I want you to go over to Nineveh. I want you to preach to that city. And God spoke directly to Jonah and gave him his will. Can I tell you this morning that, listen, God desires, God has a will for your life. And I'm amazed constantly that God would meet with us. The psalmist wrote this in Psalm chapter 8 and verse number 3. He said, When I consider the heavens, the work of thy fingers, the moon and the stars which thou hast ordained, what is man that thou art mindful of him? And the son of man that thou visitest him? I'm amazed constantly that God has a desire for our life and for our, the way we live. Think about this. How many times in Scripture you go back, you can look at Moses when he was called. God called him by name, Moses. You look back to Samuel when Samuel was in the temple and he was a young boy and, and, and God said, Samuel, and he called him by name. And you could go throughout Scripture time and time again and the fact that, hey, God knows the names of every person and God's interested in you as a child of God and He has a desire that you would live for God. And I'm amazed that God would take the time and that He would speak with us. And you think about all the times in the Bible that He does. And I'm just saying, listen, God desires to spend time with you and speak with you. He came to Jonah. He came to so many people in the Bible. And he speaks with that. How does God speak to me? Well, you take the word of God, you open it up, and you start reading. And it's amazing how God just shows you stuff in your heart. And he just comforts you and he gives you thoughts and he, and he, and he directs you through his word. And he desires to speak to you. I'm amazed that God would desire to speak to us but he does. Look at verse number four. But the Lord sent out a great wind into the sea and there was a mighty tempest in the sea so that the ship was like to be broken. Not only does God speak to us, but I want you to notice as well that God uses storms. God uses natural disasters. My dad would often say, um, I don't know where he heard it or a message or something, but uh, uh, you know, it, it's almost like America sins and they do, there's all kinds of wickedness going on. And, and God sends a, uh, the wildfires to California. And God sends storms throughout America. And, and, and my dad often say, it's like God saying, hey, can you hear me now? You know, and I'm not saying that every time a storm comes, it is God's judgment. But I will say this, that listen, God does use natural disasters to call judgment down. God does send natural disasters and judge things. You go throughout the Old Testament and you can find time and time again when God would send a judgment down and He would judge some people and He would send storms and He would send floods. I mean, the greatest flood that ever took place was because of wickedness on the earth. So what I'm saying is God uses natural disasters and He sent a natural disaster that day uh, to Jonah's life and to Jonah's area. And uh, look with me at verse number 13 as those men, those sailors that were there, the Bible says, nevertheless the men rode hard to bring it to the land, but they could not for the sea wrought and was tempestuous against them. 
Those men, this is of course in the middle of the story, and Jonah has told them, it's I, I'm the reason that this storm came upon us. And, and, and he said, you're going to have to throw me overboard. And, and they said, we don't want to do that. We don't want to be guilty of throwing God's man overboard. And so they tried as hard as they could to row it and bring it to shore. And guess what? You can row against God and you can row against God and you can row against God. But let me tell you something, you will get nowhere in your life. You can run from God as Jonah did, but you will get nowhere in your life because God is bigger and God is stronger and God is able to do what we are not able to do. And He sent a storm to stop Jonah and to, to not allow him to continue to, to run away from the presence of God. And we find that the work of God that He speaks to us and sometimes He sends a storm. And listen, uh, look with me at verse number 17. Well, verse number four, actually, the Bible says, but the Lord sent out a great wind into the sea. The God sent the storm. Look with me at verse number 17. Now the Lord had prepared a great fish to swallow up Jonah. And God sent a whale. Listen, you look at this whole passage. It's really quite an amazing story that the man of God, Jonah, was trying to run from the presence of God. And he got on that ship and all those other guys, they didn't know that Jonah, Jonah didn't say, hey guys, I'm getting on this ship because I'm running from God. No, he was hiding it. He, he got that ticket and he got on that ship and, and he knew in his heart that he was trying to run from God. And, and listen, when that storm blew up, I have no doubt that Jonah in his heart knew, oh boy, this storm, it's my fault. Why do you think he wasn't praying to his God like all the other sailors were doing? Why do you think he didn't turn religious like everyone else did? Because he knew what was going on. Why do you think he ran down to the bottom of the ship and hid himself and tried to go to sleep and I imagine pulled that pillow over his head and said, I don't want to listen to God. I know I'm running from God. I know I'm not right with God. And I'm trying to get away from God. And listen, the captain of the ship had to come down and say, hey, wake up. Don't you know what's going on here? Oh, Jonah knew exactly what was going on. But he didn't want to listen to God. And God's saying, listen, Jonah, I am going to get a hold of you and I'm going to get your attention. And listen, those sailors didn't know it was Jonah's fault, but Jonah knew the whale didn't care that it was Jonah's fault. Think about that. That whale come up, swallow Jonah. up. Why did you do that? Don't ask me. I have no idea. Scientists will tell you it's physiologically impossible. I say, well... God does things that's physiologically impossible. He's done it before, he'll do it again. So scientists might tell you it's not possible, but God said it happened. How did it happen? Why did it happen? I don't know. I can't explain everything, why it took place. But I can tell you this, because God prepared that fish to come swallow up Jonah. He swallowed him up. That fish, he didn't care that it was Jonah's fault. He didn't care that He'd have indigestion. I don't think he had hardly any feelings about it at all, to be honest with you. Just doing what he was programmed to do. Come up, swallow up Jonah. Where do you want him, Lord? Take him over there. Dump him on that shore. That fish swam over there and dumped Jonah on the shore where he's supposed to do it. That fish didn't care. But Jonah knew that whole time he was in the belly. You go through and you read chapter 2 and Jonah is praying 
And God is dealing with the heart of Jonah. And Jonah feels uh, like, man, these are, this is bad. And he knew God's judgment was on. Listen, I'm glad that God prepared a storm for Jonah. I'm, God, I'm glad that God prepared a fish for Jonah. You say, well, that's kind of weird. You know why? Because God was giving Jonah a second chance. How many times do we get stubborn in our life and we say, God, I don't want to do what you want me to do. And we say, God, sometimes in our life, I'm not going to do what you want me to do. Maybe God sends a storm and maybe those around us are totally ignorant to why that storm came. Maybe God sends a, 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 a certain circumstance and, and those around us, they don't understand what's going on. But you know, because between you and God, there's, there's a problem. God's working on you. Why? Because not because he wants you to be in the belly of a whale. You think God wanted Jonah to be in the belly of a whale? No. You know what God wanted? God wanted Jonah to go to Nineveh. That's what God wanted. Jonah didn't want to. That's why he ended up in the belly of a whale. Because he didn't do what God wanted. And we find that God was saying, hey, Jonah, listen, I really want you to do what's right. I'm going to work circumstances around you so that you will listen to me, so that you will pay attention, so that you have perhaps no other voice to hear than to hear my voice. Maybe God puts you in a place and you say, you know what, I want, now I want to do God's will. You go through, you read the end of the book, it's kind of amazing to be honest with you. Jonah does go into Nineveh. You know what he does? He walks in to Nineveh. As near as I can tell, he says, 40 days and God's going to destroy you. He walks to the next block and he says, 40 days and God's going to destroy you. Then he leaves. He just barely did what God wanted him to do. But I tell you what, the greatest transformation took place from that simple message. A servant that really didn't want to do what God wanted him to do, but ended up doing it anyway. And what an amazing amount of people that were saved that day. The city proclaimed a fast and said, nobody's going to eat anything, nobody's going to drink anything. Hey, we are maybe, maybe if we show God we're serious about repenting, he'll turn things around. And you know what? A great amount of people were saved in Nineveh. That's what God wanted. He wanted to see Nineveh saved. He wanted to see Jonah obedient. He wanted Jonah to follow God. He didn't want to send a storm. He didn't want to send a fish. He had to. Because Jonah did not listen. With every head bowed and every eye closed as we stand to our feet this morning. What an incredible story. True story. True account. From God's word. When the will of God clashes against the will of man, abandon your will and follow God. Father, I pray that you'd speak to hearts as only you can. God, you know hearts, you know circumstances, you know lives with so much more detail. God, I don't know, but you do. And God, I'm asking you to touch hearts. 
help each and every one of us to be a people that surrendered to your will. To be a people that would be compassionate to the lost. To be a people that's concerned about following your will and abandoning ourselves and our desires. Help us to live for you. God, I pray that you'd speak to each and every heart as only you can. Help us to walk with you hand in hand in obedience to your word. God, I'll thank you for that. In Jesus' precious name, I pray. Amen. As the piano begins to play, if God's spoken to your heart, the altar's open. Maybe you're here this morning and you've never trusted the Lord Jesus Christ. Listen, that's why he came. That's why he died on the cross, because he loves you. He wants to see you saved. He wants to see your life changed. If you want to put your faith and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ, you can do that today. Maybe, maybe you're stubborn this morning. Listen, we all get a little stubborn. Can I urge you? Can I encourage you? Just give it to God. Just surrender to God. You'll be far better off. You, you will, as the psalmist said, I delight to do thy will. It will make your life happier. Your life will be better off if you'll follow God.